Oh my gosh, did they get us fired up? So, so this morning I decided I was not going to sing because I'm saving my voice. I got to do two services. And I listened to you guys are so awesome. If you couldn't feel the spirit in this church, you're missing something big, let me tell you. And Erica, why am I here? After Erica's message there. So, but I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful that I'm trusted by God to share with you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark Kobrner. My wife, Lori, and I serve as greeters. We are life care leaders, and we had the great honor and pleasure to be very involved in the Operation Christmas Child Drop-Off Center this year. Um, Miss Lynn had a very busy couple of weeks, and she entrusted us to do her part of it, and I think we did her honor, but... We did God honor because we brought in over 600 boxes. Every box was prayed over by someone before we packed it in cartons and took it off and loaded into tractor trailers to head out to Boone, North Carolina. From there, it was sorted out and sent to different countries. I cannot stress enough that if you track your packages, that you please put a tack in the map out in the lobby so we can see where they're going. It's just so awesome to see these boxes travel throughout the world. And speaking of Christmas, I know you don't want to hear this, today is December 11th. That means there's 14 days till Christmas, 13 shopping days. So, have you purchased that gift for that special someone? Have you purchased that gift that you do out of obligation? Have you got your shopping done and everything wrapped? We don't. We're not even close. But more importantly, have you written your letter to Santa Claus? Yeah, Santa Claus. You know, you write a letter to Santa Claus with what you wish to get from, for Christmas. And then Santa Claus fulfills your wish. That childhood faith in Santa Claus bringing what you're asking for. Now, I'm going to tell you, don't ask for a Red Ryder BB gun because you'll shoot your eye out. But that letter to Santa Claus is a simple request for what you wish to have for Christmas. Did you know our God works the same way? A simple request to him will fulfill your needs. God is willing to give you whatever you need if you just follow him and ask for him. Last week, Pastor Jeff said, our God is a gift-giving God. And he does. He gives great gifts. That's what he does for us. So let me start with prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your words that I'm going to share. Father, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters here that are here to worship you, to praise you, to learn more about you. Father, I ask that you reach out and touch every one of us, that something from today's message will touch their heart and bring them closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you, who has had an interaction with someone else outside of your household this morning before you came to church? had a conversation, maybe a text message, a phone call with someone that's not in your family. How about someone that stopped and maybe got your, your morning dose of caffeine or a quick stop to the store for something you forgot to do? Well, over the course of the average day, we will have several different conversations with different people. In fact, I saw a study that they said that on average, 
people have 27 interactions or conversations on a normal day. So, my tougher question is, how many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hands because I don't want to be embarrassed. How many of you have had a conversation with God before you came to church? You go, Johnny. <laughs> How many of you woke up this morning and had a conversation with God before you started your day? Why wouldn't we do it every day? What better way to start your day than have a conversation with the giver of everything we need? It's like writing a letter to Santa Claus every day. You can ask for what you need. You can thank him for what you have. I, I know I don't start every day that way. I try to. Some mornings it's just chaos in our lives. We have to be places. We have to do things. But if you start your day with prayer, God is going to bless you because that's what he does. He blesses us constantly. Prayer is nothing more than having a conversation with God. It's connecting with God. It's building your relationship with God. It's moving closer to God. And it's letting him know that you love him and you need him. So why wouldn't we start every day with saying, hey God, good morning. I'm here. I need you. Please bless me today. Because when you look at God, he's our protector and our provider. He gives us what we need. He is almighty and powerful. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God created the heavens and the earth, the water and the land, the birds and the animals, Adam and Eve. If he can do all that, what can't he do? He is there for us. Nothing is too hard for him to do. And God is ever present in our life. In Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, 1 through 12, it says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. So we thought that Santa Claus had the good, naughty, and nice list, huh? How about that one? O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Well, I don't know about you people, but God could build a really good, naughty and nice list just from my life. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. How comforting is that? God places his hand of blessing on our head. Every day, everywhere we go. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down in the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there my hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and light around the room become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. So no matter where we go or what we do, we cannot escape from God. He is there for us. 
He's going to be with us. For many years, I was a big part of the fire prevention program in the city. And my favorite thing was doing the talks to the children from schools because we would get hundreds of kids coming to visit the fire station. They get a brief tour and then we have a nice presentation. And my biggest point was always to them, if your house is on fire, do not hide because it makes it very difficult for us to find you. And we talk about hiding under the bed or in the closet or in a hidden space. And when I was putting this together and I was reading this scripture, I'm thinking, it tells you everywhere you can go. You can go into darkness, you can hide, you can go wherever you want, but God is there with you. He's going to find you. So even in our darkest places, God is with us. Our God is a just and merciful God. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. There's that good naughty and nice list again, huh? God will judge us for everything we do. Now, I used to read this and think he's judging me for all the bad things I'm doing. But he's truly judging you for everything you do. He's looking at the good things and the bad things. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne for our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace and help when we need it the most. All we have to do is go to God and we'll receive his mercy and his grace and help for whatever we're going through. And a big part of going to him is praying to him, letting him know what's going on in your life, letting him know you're having problems. 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us. That's one of the most important parts about God's forgiveness is he forgets our sins. Isaiah 43.25 says, I, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I will blot out your sins for my own sake. God has taken away our sins, forgetting them, so he doesn't have to worry about that because we're going to get better. We're going to work. As Pastor has said in the past, we're a work in progress. That's all he's looking for is progress. But he forgets our sins. So think about this. Santa Claus writes his list brand new every year. December 26th, he starts writing down that naughty and nice list again. Starting all over for next year. God starts all over every day, all day long. His naughty and nice list gets torn up, thrown away, and you're starting fresh every time you go to him. Every time you ask for his forgiveness. Every time you believe that he will give you grace and and loving. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. The temptations in your life are no different than what others are experiencing. It doesn't matter where you live or what you do. I still stay very connected with some friends in Uganda, and we communicate back and forth. And a lot of what we communicate is what's going on in our life and encouragement through God. And it's fun because they love 
the King James Version of the Bible. So they'll send me some encouraging scripture, and i got to pull out my Bible and look it up in something I better understand. And my friend Fred over there tells me he does the same thing. When I send him the New Living Translation, he goes in the Bible and looks up to see what it really says. But they're experiencing the same things we are. They go through the same trials and tribulations we do, just like it says here. And it says, you know when I sit down or stand up. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it doesn't. It says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way so that you can endure. God is going to be there for you to help you through. He's going to give you a way to defeat the enemy. You just have to ask. God is love and he loves us so much. He has so much unconditional love for us. In Romans 8.35 and then 37 through 39, it says, Can anything separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Look at that list. Who has not been in some of that calamity, been persecuted or picked on, been hungry or destitute, felt like you were in danger or were threatened? But he loves us through it all. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Christ has the victory in everything going on in our lives. We just have to believe and stick with it. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. I find that one sometimes hard to uh, fight my way through. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No, the power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love God has revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, the angels or demons, the present or the future, any powers, any height, any depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from God's love. So we need to go to him and talk to him. Because he also never, ever changes. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 41.4, who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am he. So, God is a loving God. He is most powerful. And he is with us wherever we go. We can never lose him unless we choose to. So we need to make sure that we are with him and we have a relationship with him. Where else in life can you find such guarantees? Where else in life can you find something that is that set in stone? If you read any contract and look at all the legal considerations in them or the restrictions, 
How about instructions for anything you get today? They all start out with a whole list of things that could go bad. It's pretty frightening sometimes. All with precautionary statements, and sometimes they even list the consequences. Medicine paperwork. You go to pharmacy, they give you that paper, and how many times you go, I don't want to take this. I just read everything it's going to do to my body. Everywhere we go and everything we do, there's warning signs, there's consequences. Any product you buy today comes with a guarantee. Some good, some not so bad. I had a really good friend who was a contractor. I worked with him for a lot of years at the fire station, and he talked about his red light guarantee. If he did work for you, as long as you could see the red in his taillights, his work was guaranteed. When you could no longer see them taillights, guarantee ended. Now, I knew him very well. He did some work for us when we were putting the house up, and he is as honest as the day is long. And he does great work, and he would stand behind his work. But when he would tell people that, he'd be like looking at him and go, okay, I'm never hiring this guy. The red light guarantee. It is said that the only thing that's guaranteed in life is death and taxes. We've all heard that, right? Death and taxes, the only guarantee. But we know as Christians that God's protection, his power, his mercy, his faithfulness, his grace, his love is guaranteed for life. For life eternal. So it'll always be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow for us if we believe in God and we go to God. At every stage in life, I've had friends who've come and gone. Some stay, some don't. I've had relationships with all different kinds of people. Um, one, of the, one of the most remembered groups I've had was a bunch of kids that I hung out with in high school. We were the biggest group of misfits. Some labeled us geeks and dorks. Other ones wouldn't even talk to us because we had every, every facet of student life. I was an athlete. I played varsity basketball. But I didn't fit in with the athletes, so I hung out with these friends. Um, we had some of the kids that were so super smart. The valedictorian was one of our groups that hung out with us. And we became very close friends where we knew that we would be there for each other. I knew when I was stuck in schoolwork, I could run to any of my classmates and they would help me because we were great friends. And we vowed we were going to be friends forever. Well, as things go, time went on. We graduated. Several went in different directions. And because of distances, because of some differences, because of just lack of communication, we were no longer friends. I'm sure if I ran into one of them today, and I could recognize them because we're all old now, I, I would gladly give them a hug and tell them thank you for all that we did for each other in high school. But the relationships become disconnected with people. You can disconnect your relationship with God, but he will never disconnect with you. You can separate yourself from God. You can run away from God, but he will never leave you or forsake you. You cannot go anywhere where he won't be waiting for you to come back. When I think of that relationship, I think of my, my parents were the only ones that would ever love me that much. And sometimes I wondered why they loved me that much. But having children, I know what it is be a parent and love your child. But God is the same way. He will never leave you. 
no matter what you do or what you say. And come on, be honest. Who has not had that conversation with God? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you fixing this? Why can't you make this better? I don't ever want to speak to you again. I'm never going to church again. I hate you. Guess what? He's still there. Yep, he's right here. Everywhere. He's right here waiting for you because you will come back. There's no distance. There's no difference. There's nothing in life that can separate you from God except you. You can go to God with anything. Lori and I have been so blessed with our family. We raised our children to be close to us and to confide in us and to come to us. And we share everything. I learned so much about women through my daughters. So much about women through my daughters. But we were a very loving family. And our children knew they could come with us with the good or the bad. And that for the most part, we would be very fair, calm, collected, and love them through whatever they did. But I would say more times than not, a majority of times we were fair. Most of the time we were calm. But we're human. We are flawed. We have our faults. But they knew that when it was all said and done, we loved them, just like God loves them. You can go to God our Father with anything, anything, and he's going to be fair, and he's going to be calm, and he's going to love you because that's who he is. No matter what relationships you've ever had in life, this is the one that's most important. But you have to choose to have that relationship, and you have to choose to build that relationship, and you have to choose to continue to keep that relationship growing. And we can do that by praying. So I looked up what prayer actually means in several different sources. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as an address, such as a petition to God, an earnest and urgent request. Vocabulary.com says a reverent petition to a deity, especially a petition or in adoration. And I love Wikipedia because sometimes their stuff is so funny, but this was actually good. Wikipedia says, invocation or act that seems to advocate a rapport with an object of worship through deliberate communication. All of these definitions indicate that there's a rapport or a relationship there, a communication there. It's sharing feelings with each other. In a relationship, there has to be good communications. Ask any marriage counselor. That's the first thing they're going to ask you if you go with marital problems is, how are you communicating with each other? So let's have a conversation with God. Let's pray to him. Let's talk to him. Let's share with him. On the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. It's where he taught us how to pray. Now, can you just picture Jesus He's sitting on the big rock on the slope of a hill and there's just throngs and throngs of people waiting to hear what this God-anointed prophet is going to say to us. 
waiting to hear the message we're going to get from him. And in Matthew 6, 5 and 6, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues or on the street corners to see, be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's okay to pray in public. You see us all do it. I prayed this morning for everybody. Erica prayed for everybody. The praise team was singing prayer to everybody. But don't do it to draw attention to you. Do it for yourselves. Do it to build your relationship with God. Because God then, when he sees you, will know. And then Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. And I can only imagine as he's starting to teach, there's dead silence in all the throngs of people. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 9, and 10, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Prayer is that important. It's that important to God that he, when he sent his son here, gave him instructions to teach us how to pray. To teach us what to say. To teach us how not to pray to make our lives better. But not only did Jesus teach us how to pray, but Toward the end, he told us, before he was crucified, he, he, he told the, the disciples that I'm sending someone to help you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to dwell within you to help you be better children of God, to help you be better followers of what I'm teaching. The Holy Spirit is our source of personal testimony. The Spirit can guide us in our decisions. It can protect us from physical or spiritual damage. The Spirit that's dwelling within you can comfort you or calm you, can help you in times of trouble, and it can always give you hope. But the only way the Spirit is effective in our lives is if we listen to it and we follow the prompting from the Spirit. John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. How many times in your life are you doing something that's borderline or wrong or not Christian-like and that little voice in your head says, that's wrong, don't do no more. Or it's too late for me because my, my mouth runs too much ahead of my brain. It's too late and my spirit says, that was very wrong, what you said or how you said it. That is your spirit. That is the Holy Spirit working through you. It's working as a preventive measure so that doesn't happen again. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. If you don't know what to pray for or you don't know how to say what you need or how to say what you need to say to God, pray in the Spirit. Just let the Spirit guide you. 
Let the Spirit help you to pray then. It's not just saying the words. You don't have to say them out loud. It's having them in your heart, the heart for God. And he searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So live in that Spirit. Let that Spirit guide you and protect you. If you're not sure how to pray or what to say when you're praying, just listen to the Spirit in your, in your heart and let him guide you. How could it be any better than you can have a conversation with God and you have the Holy Spirit to, to lead you along? It's amazing that God gave us his only son and then passed along extra help to go along with it. It reminds me of my high school days. The teacher gave me the information and God put friends in my way to help me along with that stupid stuff I had to learn. Stuff I never used again in life. When we're praying, there's several different types of prayer. I'm going to go through a few of them because I think it's important to understand when you're praying what, what different types of prayer there is and what, what you're praying for. So we'll start with the prayer of worship and praise. The prayer of worship and praise focuses on worshiping the Lord out of a deep love, respect, and admiration for him. These prayers come from the deep awe in what God is doing for you or can do for you or has done for you. The songs that we sing at the beginning of worship, those are prayer of praise and worship. If you listen to those words, they're all biblical and they're all about praising God. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. For some people, and I know I'm one of the people that I start every prayer to God thanking him for what he does for me. And I always try to give him a particular thing today that is in my life that I'm so thankful for. Others pray by thanking God as they're closing their prayer for what he's done or what he's going to do. In some cases, people pray their whole prayer as gratitude. It's gratitude for healing, deliverance, or recognition of how God, good God really is to us. He blesses us every day. Our family prays before we eat every meal. Sometimes it's Lori or I praying. A lot of times it's our grandchildren and sometimes it's awesome. But that's a prayer of thanksgiving. Our little Lincoln's five. He's going to preschool at a Catholic preschool in Syracuse. And the teacher asked someone to pray for a meal. And so instead of using the prayer that the school uses... Our little Lincoln said, God is good, God is great, thank you for this wonderful food, amen. Five years old. And these kids had all learned this prayer that they were supposed to use. But The next is a prayer of confession. A prayer of confession is recognizing and confessing your sins in a way that God can understand that you know what you did. It's often called, it's often those that pray, that confess their sins so that they can be healed. We know that God takes away our sins. We know that he forgets them. But we need to acknowledge them to God. The other thing with acknowledging them is it helps us to prevent repeating it. Now, it's not a cure, trust me. 
I'll tell you, it's not a cure, but a prayer of confession can help to remind you to do better. A prayer of supplication involves an action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly in the form of a plea to God. It's asking or begging for something and humbly asking God for something. It can be a very humbling prayer. It takes totally surrendering yourself to God sometimes and letting go of control of your life to ask God for some things in your life. It's you're handing everything over to God. God, I need this. I need you. Please help me. And then there's a prayer of spiritual warfare. A prayer of spiritual warfare is a prayer to help you with the battles in life. To help you get through those battles. We use this prayer to, to not only help us through the battles, but to help guard us against the battles. It's asking for God to protect us and look, look after us. And the last one I have is a prayer of intercession. That's praying on behalf of someone else, another person, a group of people. It's praying on behalf of someone in need. Now, your prayer, when you pray to God, you can have any or all these types of prayers in it. You don't have to pray each one separate. Let's look back at the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a prayer of praise and worship. We're praising God. We're keeping his name holy on earth. We're doing in his kingdom here what it needs to be done in heaven. Then it goes on to give us today the food we need. That's a prayer of supplication. That's asking him, please, I need this. Give me my daily bread. And it goes on to, and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There's your prayer of spiritual warfare. So God gave us a prayer that fits most of what we have in life. You can just say that prayer every day. It fits what you need. But God really wants to hear truly what you're saying. And God will respond to your prayers. Remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Read the Bible. Read the Old Testament. Read of Adam and Eve. He spoke to them. Moses, Noah, all those people in the Bible. God spoke to them and they listened. He doesn't always speak words to us. Sometimes it's subtle suggestions that come into your life. Sometimes it comes from other people in your lives. Sometimes it's things that happen that enlighten you to something you've been praying about. Sometimes it's a good solid slap in the head, which we all deserve and need it sometimes. And it's an awakening. It's like, oh, God, really? But you have to listen. The biggest part of a conversation is it's two-way. It's listening and speaking. And sometimes the hardest part is listening. But you have to listen for God to answer what you're asking for. Wait, listen for him to give you guidance. Listen for that Holy Spirit within your heart to come out and say to you, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to say. This is where you need to go. 
I find it very interesting when I prepare one of these messages and I can think I had it, I'm, I sent it to Pastor Gabe, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? I thought I had it right down and then all of a sudden God said, well, what are you doing? You missed a whole lot of stuff here. And so we add to it. So, if prayer is a conversation with God, and prayer is going to have different assets to it, how should I pray? I believe you can pray however you want. It's your conversation with God. I don't believe there's any right or wrong prayer. Because you can ask for anything. You know the Christmas wish? I asked God for the Red Rider BB gun. I know he wasn't going to give it to me because I was going to shoot my eye out. But you can ask for everything. But God's going to give you what you need. You can say whatever you want to God. It's a conversation. Your words don't even need to make sense to you. How many of you have been in that terrible situation and the words just don't want to come out? Or they're not coming out right? And you're struggling for what to say or what to do? How many have prayed that way? Out of frustration, out of desperation, out of being just so deep into what you're into, you just can't get the words out. They don't need to make sense. God understands you and knows you. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. That mumbo-jumbo coming out of your mouth, he's getting it word for word. He's a great interpreter. When you think God put hundreds and hundreds of languages on this earth, he can understand you. We've all heard Pastor Jeff pray. We've heard Pastor Gabe pray. Pastor Judy pray. Everybody that comes up here prays. We've been in groups for prayer. And everybody has their own prayer method or their own prayer life. And that's what you need to develop for yourself. You don't need really long prayers. Though a lot of times I really get deeper into the spirit when people pray more. But you don't need a long prayer. You don't need to be loud. You certainly, because they already told us in the scripture, don't want to stand on the street corner with your arms raised and screaming. You just need to have a conversation with God. You can have your conversation loud if you want, in private. You can pray quietly by yourself in a corner. It can be said anywhere at any time. But when you're praying, focus on God. I used to pray a lot when I was driving my car and I realized... I'm giving him half of what he needs. Because the other half is, well, maybe not half because I'm a safe driver. I'm, I'm taking part of what I need to give God. So pray when you're focused on what you're saying to God. I, as a life care leader, I try not to point to people and say, Pastor Judy, pray. Because that puts people in a difficult situation. I like to ask people to pray. And there's people that are very strong at praying out loud in a group. And there's people that have difficulty. But I encourage everyone to at some point in your life pray in front of a group. Now if you're praying in front of a group and it's all Christian brothers and sisters, nobody's going to judge that prayer. They're going to agree with that prayer. In some cases, they're going to be very thankful and very overjoyed that you're praying out loud. There's been a few people that we've had in life care or people that I've met in my life that when they pray out loud or they pray in front of somebody, I'm like, 
my gosh, God is working so well in this person's heart. But try it. It's not as painful. It's not as difficult as people think it is. And usually after the first time, you get a little more comfortable at it. It also could be a prayer that's for someone in that group of people that God has given you to pray for. And it might not be directly saying that person's name and saying a prayer for them, but they're getting what God is saying. And don't ever forget, it's a two-way conversation. I think we should have a conversation with God on a regular basis. You should set time aside of your day. And the more you pray and the more you study his word, the closer your relationship's going to be. And your prayer method has to be something you're comfortable with. Shortly after Lori and I joined Resurrection Life Church, we decided we were going to try life care. And if you haven't tried life care, I'm telling you, it is the best connection you can make. It continues to build your relationship with God. But it's a personal choice, and we decided we are going to try a life care. So we drove over to Amanda and Tom Thomas's house. That was the first one because we're going to try them all. And we parked in front of the house, and we sat there for a little bit, and we were watching people go in. And we actually had a conversation about do we really want to go in or not. We hadn't been going to church here for very long. We weren't real comfortable with all the people, but we had felt so welcome in the church. We decided we were going to go in and, and see what it was about. We never went to any of the other life cares. We stayed with Tom, the, that because it was a good life care group. It's the group that we lead now. But in one of the early sessions we were in, Linda Kaiser prayed. And I'm sorry, Linda, I have to pick on you. Linda Kaiser prayed, and she said a prayer that so touched me because it was like she was sitting in front of God talking to him. There was no formality to it. And I was raised Catholic, so prayers were pretty formalized. There was no formality to it. She said, hi, God, this is what we want. This is what we're doing. And so I went up to her afterwards, and I said, I love that so much. And she goes, well, it's just talking to God. A prayer is just talking to God. You make your own prayer method, your own prayer life, however you want to do it. Once you've built that up, then you take it a step farther. If you want to really show dedication and devotion to God, add fasting to your prayer life. I know, I know some of you are in the room right now and I said fast, you go, oh my gosh, no food? That's always my first thought is, what? No, I'm hungry, okay? No, fasting added to your prayer life is the is next step. It's a big step. When Jesus was about to begin his ministry, what did he do? He went out to the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days. He was tempted by the enemy three times and beat him down with the word of God. And so what fasting is, is an opportunity to show dedication and devotion and to help beat the enemy down by saying, God, I am yours. This is what I'm doing for you. In the Old Testament, fasting often was accompanied by different signs of humility. And it was sometimes weeping, it was sometimes moaning, it was sometimes lamenting. And a lot of times you read in there about them changing the clothes they were wearing. In Psalm 35, 13, when David is, is fasting, he says, Yet when, I, when they were ill, I put on a sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. 
So he basically took a burlap sack, took off his, his normal clothes, put on a burlap sack to show that he was that vulnerable and that willing to give himself to God. Fasting demonstrates a depth of desire when you're praying for something. It shows how serious you are about that prayer. And it shows that you're willing to pay a personal price to receive God's blessing. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition. And it can result in fixing some brokenness. It can result in repentance. And it can help you into a newly transformed life. Through fasting, your confidence and faith in God can grow dramatically. It can be strengthened, and sometimes you'll feel mentally or spiritually stronger afterwards. So now let's get back to that I'm not going to eat part, okay? Because I'm really stuck on it. <laughs> I have a bagel in the other room for between services. Fasting isn't all about not eating. That's reassuring. It's not all about not eating. There's two different types of fasting. There's a partial fast. A partial fast is described as, it's described in the book of Daniel. Let's go there. It's in the book of Daniel. For three weeks, Daniel, who was a prophet during the time when Israel was in exile, he abstained only from delicacies. So Daniel 10.3 says, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all over three weeks. So it's a partial fast. You're giving up something that is important to you or a delicacy that you like. When I was growing up and we were attending the Catholic Church, my father was very dedicated to fasting during Lent. And every year during Lent, at the beginning of Lent, he would give up something that he really liked. And the two primary things he gave up during Lent was beer and chocolate. I know he didn't struggle much giving up the beer, but boy, did he struggle giving up his chocolate. Once my siblings and I grew up and we were able to understand that you don't touch dad's chocolate, he had his lazy boy chair that he sat in to watch the news at night with a box of chocolate next to it. And every night he had his chocolate. So giving it up for Lent was a very difficult thing for him. But that's a partial fast. That's giving up something for a period of time that affects you whether it's emotionally or, I don't know, do people survive on chocolate? I think I could. But you're giving up something over a period of time that's just a partial fast. It's not giving up everything you're going to eat. It was interesting because every year on Christmas morning, on the stand next to his chair with a bow on it, was a box of chocolate-covered cherries from my mother. My mother gave him chocolate-covered cherries every year for, for Easter. So a partial fast can be done in a lot of different ways. A complete fast means drinking only water or sometimes juice. Um, when you look at fasting today, and I did a bunch of research on it, a lot of people with health conditions can't completely fast. So it's, they say that you could drink juice to give you some of the sugar, a little bit of nourishment you need. But a complete fast is giving up everything but water or juice for an extended period. It can be a lot more difficult and take a lot more resolve. But... If you're going to choose to do a complete fast, everything you read, and I'll tell you, I will highly recommend, number one, you be conscientious of any medical conditions before you start. And number two, you start slow. Don't decide you're going to do a 40-day fast out of the starting gate. It's not going to work. 
you're setting yourself up for failure. And you do some research on fat, complete fasting because if you're doing much of a period, you want to make sure you start slow, but you also gradually bring yourself back into eating. So those are the two forms of fasting. I read a really interesting article about short fasts and how to accomplish them. And the author was a pastor, he was a minister, and he said, choose a time that you want to give up food. And one of the things he used was between his morning meal and his evening meal, he would not eat anything, only drink water. And then when he had his lunch break, he would take that time instead of eating to sit down and spend that amount of time with God. And how easy would that be for us today if you're at work and you eat your breakfast before you go to work, drink water throughout the day, and when it comes to your lunch hour or half hour or whatever time period you get, you sit down with God and just pray to God. And then at the evening meal, you go back to, to eating, resuming your eating. It doesn't have to be done every day. This man, this pastor talked about having a regimen of doing one day a week. But fasting and adding that to your prayer life. When you're sitting there after four or five hours of not eating and you're talking to God, he is seeing that dedication and devotion you have for him. However you choose to fast, make it meaningful and spiritual. Keep it to yourself. Matthew 6, 16 to 18 says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. So that and the prayer one with the hypocrites, I can just imagine them, you know. I'm going to pray right now because I've been fasting for three days. Praying out loud and letting everybody know that's what they're doing. Keep it to yourself. It says, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that that is the only reward they will ever get. But when they fast, when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except the Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father sees, know, who sees everything will reward you. It's sometimes hard if you're doing something like that at work and everybody sees that you're sitting there with your water all day long instead of the, whatever you normally eat. But fast on your own. God loves you. God cares for you. He'll protect you and provide for you. All you have to do is reach out to him and build a relationship with him. When you're praying, don't worry what you're saying or how you're saying it. He knows your heart. He already knows what you want before you even go to him. Fasting and prayer are going to be the biggest keys to strengthening that relationship with God. It's the best relationship you could ever have. No one, no matter who they are, nothing, no matter what it is, can interrupt that relationship except you. And if you leave that relationship, he's still going to be there with you. He's still going to be looking for you. He's going to be guiding you. If you humble yourself before God and set your heart into prayer, he will listen to you and you will receive an answer. Now, if something in this message has enlightened you or ignited a spark in your heart or your mind or made you more curious about what God has to offer, sit down later and pray to him. Ask him what he has for you. If you're hearing this message about our amazing God or you've 
just more curious about it and have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to say, God, I want you with me. I want you following me. I want everything you have to offer. I want the spirit that Jesus brought to us. I want to know that Jesus died for me and I'm going to live eternally. So if you are going to accept Jesus today, we want to know. We will pray for you. Please let someone know. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, keep building on that relationship. Pray and listen. God has something great for every one of us. And we need to just listen to it. I'm going to ask that everyone pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your words today. I thank you for all you do in my life. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, who was crucified and died for my sins, who was seated with you in heaven. God, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to live more like Jesus. I want to love more like Jesus. Father, forgive my sins. Forget my sins. Protect me from the enemy. Guide me and love me all the days of my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. Having a good prayer life is only going to make God's blessings bigger and better. It's going to make life better. So build that prayer life with God. Pray to him and let him know, I am your child, God, and I love you. Everybody, please rise. I want to pray.